listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. Um, So some of the things you might hear today you have heard before. But Paul is going to talk a lot about the idea of gifts. The thing is, everybody loves gifts. Uh, Everybody loves receiving, you know, some type of present from people. You know, you can think back through some of yours. Maybe it was a certain toy that you had been hoping for or, I don't know, some game or jewelry or some piece of clothing that everybody likes to receive certain gifts. Or one might be the gift of time. Marla knows how I like my solitude. And so every now and then, you know, to be just actually, I got this, why don't you just go and do whatever it is you need to do, uh, be alone for a while. But the gift of time, or you find your wife just at her wit's end with the kids and you step in and give her the moment that she needs so that everyone stays safe and sound. Um, but then there's all kinds of gifts. It's to be the gift of some type of act of service where someone does something for you. And man, those are great gifts that people think about you. But not all gifts are great. Um, Have you ever had the kid want to make you something special? And they go into the kitchen. And yeah, you appreciate it. And I don't know, they make you some cookie thing. And you appreciate it. And then you walk in. And you don't know how they have done it. But they have uh, somehow to make six or a dozen cookies. And they have used every pot and pan you own. Even pots and pans that you don't even know where they came from. And they're all stacked in the sink for you. Sometimes that's how it goes. I remember a gift one time. My parents uh, took us for a week. Uh, it was around spring break to uh, camp. And my mom's not a real camper. So uh, they had borrowed this huge RV. And, man, it was great. We went to Bull Shoals, Arkansas, and we were there the whole week. And being 11, 12 years old, it was paradise. I mean, the run of the woods, the river. Uh, my brother and I, we just played from sun up until sundown. But the third night in, I woke up and realized I had been given a gift. And we had spent three days in the woods. And uh, we found out that I'm highly allergic to poison ivy. And so this little plant gave me this gift. And I woke up and I had it in my ears. I had it in my mouth. I had it over my entire body to where they had to take me into uh, the hospital at that time, and it was a hospital that was out of some horror movie. Cinder block walls, kind of flickering lights. I was terrified, uh, but I needed some relief. But that's how gifts are. Sometimes they're great, and sometimes not so much. So we're going to read this morning Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. And this is the major transition for Paul. He has ended last week the theology section, and now he is going into the practicality of what are we to do, our marching orders. So let's begin, and I'm going to read this for us, beginning in verse 1. It says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, 
who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led the host of captives and he gave them gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave to the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. Until we all maintain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, for whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, and as Paul said, what a privilege it is to gather as your people. That you have created this opportunity for us, and today we really have the blueprint for this thing we call the church. That what we're to be about, what we are to be striving for, you have just laid it out for us. And so, Lord, I know there are many, many needs in this body this morning. And so, Lord, we pray for all of those. That, Lord, you would move in ways that only you can. That you would provide things that only you are able to. And, Lord, as we come to open your word, Lord, would your spirit guide us and teach us and speak to us this morning. And that it would accomplish its purpose. I ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So this morning, Paul is going to walk through, begin opening up this practicality section. Here's how I have outlined these verses for us today. And it's all about gifts. We're going to see the gift of calling. And we're going to see what that is. We're going to see the gift of peace. We'll see the gift of unity. We'll see the gift of Christ. We're going to see the gift of diversity. We will see the gift of fullness And then lastly, we'll see the gift of community. So let's look at this first gift, the gift of calling, back at verse 1. And this is how it reads again. Paul says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord. That's how Paul sees himself. Urge you, meaning I implore you, I, I beg you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. And notice how he begins. He says, I therefore, and I words heard, every time you see that in scripture, you need to stop and see actually what you're there for. And when he's thinking back, he's thinking back all that he has said in the first three chapters. Let me just remind you of the things that Paul said to us in chapter one. He wanted us to know we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. We have everything we need for this spiritual life. He chose us in Christ before the foundations of the world, predestined us for adoption. We have redemption. We have forgiveness. He lavished us with grace. And then he seals us 
with his spirit. In chapter 2, we're told we were dead in our trespasses, that we were children of wrath, but because of his great love for us, he made us alive and raised us up and seated us with him. And that we're saved by grace through faith. All of chapter 3, remember, was all about this mystery of God's will. And what was this? He was creating this new humanity of taking these two different groups of Jews and Gentiles and making them one. And then we saw last week that God will bring us to spiritual maturity. And so Paul says, I urge you, because of all that, I, I charge you to walk. And I love that he uses this word walk, that it's not a race and it's not a sprint. It's not just a, something a few can do. He's talking about that daily living, that moment by moment. In fact, Paul says, I urge you to live your life worthy of something. And this word worthy, it means to give weight to. Or if you've ever seen scales, they'll use weights to balance out that scale. Or in school, you're taught to, to balance an equation. And what Paul is saying, he says, to live your lives equal to the blessing described in the first three chapters. That we should live our lives that reflect these monstrous truths that he has just laid out for us in the first three chapters. So he says, to live your lives worthy of, of the calling. And you need to underline that, highlight that, because that is what Paul is talking about. The question is, then what is the calling? Well, the first thing we need to understand is notice he doesn't say your calling or my calling. He says the calling. That this is something that all of us as believers, we all share in it. We all have this same calling. But before Paul explains what that is, He's going to move on to the next gift. And I titled this one, The Gift of Peace. And if there is anything that we probably need right now, probably more than ever, it's the idea of peace. Because it seems like there is so much strife and turmoil in homes, in marriages, with, between parents and their kids, and even the church. That over the last 12 months, there was not a shortage of something to cause strife and turmoil. I just began thinking back over the discussions of meeting in person and online. I mean, that really divided a lot of people. Some felt we weren't being faithful enough. Some thought we were being too fearful. Or the whole idea of COVID, all the facts about it. What do you believe and what is true, what is not? Or just the debate over these things. And... Man, I heard all kinds of things, hateful things, even revolved around masks. And then there was the whole discussions of politics and an, a very heated election. Turmoil and strife. And then we lose all energy. And now there's even this turmoil over energy issues. And so the point is there is not a shortage of things to divide us. In fact, there never will be. So Paul's going to talk about this gift of peace, but notice the only way this peace happens. It only happens by having five certain attitudes. Because look at verse 2 and 3. He says, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, 
bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That that should be the actual goal of believers. This is something we should all be concerned about and we should all be striving for. It's this idea of peace that comes through unity. But notice how it's first of all created. The unity of the Spirit. This unity that's seen in peace, the Spirit is the one that actually creates it. And you see, our job in this is to maintain it. It's to fight for it. It is to preserve it. Because we could not create what Paul is about to talk about. But the Spirit creates it. And we are to have these five attitudes. And here they are. The first one, humility. You know it, the opposite of pride. It begins with God of humility is this idea of being able to accept God's will and that God is the authority in our lives, that we are not in charge. But then humility moves to realizing what we actually deserve so that there is not an ounce of entitlement in us. So humility, I would say it this way, Christ first, others second, self last. And if we could just practice a little bit more humility, things would probably be a whole lot better. But then he says gentleness. Or yours might say meekness. It's this opposite of kind of self-assertion or you might say rudeness or even the idea of, of harshness. It's, it's, think of it this way. It's, it's power under control. You know, the best illustration I can think of this is when you wrestle with your kids. They're little and they want to wrestle and you've got all the power in the world, but you harness that power. You control it and you, you let them knock you down and it's this power, but it's under control. Or maybe it could even be this. Even though we might have the right to do something, it doesn't make it the right thing to do. Even though we might have the right to it, does that actually make it the best thing to do? Or you might say not pursuing our own agendas. Then he says patience. This is the idea that an attitude, a lifestyle that never gives up. It endures to the end even under adversity. This word means long-suffering, long-tempered, that we have a long fuse. It's, it's working through disagreements and differences. Number four, he says, bearing with one another. That phrase means to make every effort possible. Leave nothing else on the table, making every effort that is possible or in it for the long haul. It also means this, that we have to be able to make allowances for each other's faults. We all like to admit, you know, I'm not perfect. But do we allow that for other people? Allowing for their faults in this. And then the last one, he says, eager to maintain. It's a willingness to do what is best, even when it is hard and not what we want to do. It's not always having to be right. It can even be this. Willing to take the time, putting in the effort 
to understand someone even when we disagree. And you may not ever agree, but taking the time and the energy to at least try to understand where they're coming from. And he says, when we will have those types of attitudes, we are maintaining this bond of peace. That there is evidence of this unity that the Spirit creates. And then through these five attitudes, there actually is a bond of peace that happens. So in order for that bond of peace, we must be humble, gentle, patient, bear with, eager to maintain. So you say the gift of calling, the gift of peace, and here's the third one. The gift of unity. Notice how many times he's about to use the word one in these next three verses. These are things that are absolutely true. It isn't something we go do. These are actually eternally true. There is one body and one spirit. No matter what you think or what you say, that's true. Just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all. So let me just quickly kind of hit these in, in passing. Because notice, we need to understand that we, we could never have this type of unity if these are not true. One body. That we're not just separate individuals. We are one body. One spirit. We all share the same Holy Spirit. One hope. We are trusting in the same hope. You don't have one that's different from mine. We share that hope. We serve one Lord. One faith. Many we believe in the same gospel. There is one baptism. We all share in the same union with Christ. We died with him. We were buried with him. And we have been raised with him. And we share that. In one God and Father. That we all have the same dad. So this unity, what Paul is saying is far greater than anything that should divide us. That our unity is eternal and unbreakable. And one day we will finally realize and see that. But the problem is, we often don't live with that mindset too often we live for me and mine. And we forget this unity that has been created. So the gift of calling, the gift of peace, the gift of unity. And look at this one. I call it the gift of Christ. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, he ascended on high. He led a host of captives. And he gave, gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But he also had descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might feel all things. So for unity to actually be possible, for this oneness to actually happen, Christ had to do something. And if you've got cross-references in your Bible, you're going to see one to Psalm 68. That psalm, and I encourage you to go read it this week, that David is remembering the Exodus. 
He's remembering of hearing these stories of God's deliverance of Israel from captivity out of Egypt. And in Exodus, God led his people in triumph during that Exodus. It tells us that Mount Sinai shaped. The kings and earth, it says, were scattered. And he set himself up, God did, on the holy mountain. And then he received gifts from the people. And I want you to remember that. God on his mountain receiving gifts for what we had done. For what he had done. So Paul then applies this picture to what Christ has actually done for us. And there's a lot of debate on what that means in the middle of that verse. This is how I take it. That he ascended from heaven. Left his place of peace. He left his place of perfection. And he descended to earth to come and to represent us. I say it this way. He came to live the life that we could never live. And he descended into the grave to pay the price that we should have paid. And then God raised him up again and he ascended back to his rightful place. That Christ had to do something. So the gift of calling, the gift of peace, the gift of unity are precious gift of Christ that we often neglect. But then he gives us in verse 11, I call this the gift of diversity. He says, and he gave, notice he gave, Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Then we have to understand that unity is not the absence of, of diversity. That unity is not this uniformity where everyone is exactly the same. That Christ gives us these gifts of diversity. And Paul is talking about spiritual gifts that are given that create this beautiful diversity. But he doesn't mention all the gifts. You could go to Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, but here Paul focuses on five. He says the apostles, those that had uh, experience with the resurrected Jesus, the prophets, those that proclaimed God's word because they didn't have the, the canon of scripture yet, the evangelists, those that had the gift of sharing the gospel, shepherds, those that cared for people, and teachers, those that helped others to understand God's word. But here's the truth. Here's what I think we need to understand. Every believer is given the same spirit, picture of unity. And every believer is given at least one gift, an idea of unity. But no one has all the gifts. That there has to be this diversity. And Paul is getting at that it takes everyone using their gifts. So how do you know what yours is? Well, one, you could go and take some online tests somewhere. I don't put a lot of stock in them. But here's what you do. You pray. You ask God to reveal this to you. And then you look at where God is moving and God is working. And you jump in and you get involved. And you try it. And then you try again. And then you try something else. I think that's how we discover how these gifts and which one ours is. Maybe you have the gift of teaching or hospitality, encouragement or service. 
Everybody has at least one gift that he gives us. And he's showing us that there has to be this diversity among the gifts. That no one has it them all. So you see the gift of calling, the gift of peace, the gift of unity, our gift from Christ or of him, and this gift of diversity. Paul then tells us why God did this. Why he unites a group of people into one and he gives them gifts. The reason he does this, I call this the gift of fullness. Look at verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. For the building up of the body of Christ. Until we all maintain or all attain the unity of the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves. And carried about by every wind of doctrine. And there's a lot of them out there. By human cunning. By craftiness. And deceitful schemes. So do you see what the calling that we all share? The calling that all of us have as believers is for the building up of the body of Christ. That that is your calling. That is my calling. We all share that. We are for the building up of the body of Christ. So you, me, us together, we are called to build up the body. But how does that happen? The only way it happens is this. God calls us to it. Christ makes it possible. The Spirit creates it. And that we are to have these attitudes of humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another, eager to maintain it. Along with those attitudes, we live out the gifts that were given to us. That's how the body grows. But notice in verse 13. Notice how long we're to live out this calling. And I've known a lot of people over my life, and especially being in ministry, I've seen a lot of people come in and go out of the church for all kinds of reasons. No matter what church you have belonged to, when you have gathered with a body of believers... You were called to building up that body. And if you were here in this church, that calling hasn't changed. And you know how long we're supposed to do this? Notice it says, until we all attain the unity of faith, the knowledge of God, and become mature to the fullness of Christ. When we all have accomplished that, then we get to stop. This is a lifelong calling. But you know what it also means to me? It means that I cannot become who God wants me and needs me to be without all of you. I can't do it. I cannot become the fullness of Christ that he is calling me and wanting me to do or to be without all of you. But then the reverse is true. You can't become who God wants you to be without those sitting around you. That we need each other. And we do not get to stop until everyone, everyone reaches the fullness of Christ. In fact, the gift of the fullness of Christ, it cannot and it will not happen 
apart from us belonging to be involved in the church. And there is nothing on the face of the earth that is more important and more powerful than pouring our lives into than the church. So the gift of calling, the gift of peace, this gift of unity, the gift of Christ, the gift of diversity, this gift of fullness, and then the gift of community. Look at the last two verses. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That the body grows from the inside out when everybody is doing their part and using their gifts and everyone is doing that. I would say it this way. The only way the body grows is through community. That we are to grow up. Yes, there are some things you need to do privately and personally and absolutely. But it only happens when we're all pursuing the same goal and ends that we grow up. The whole body. They were not separate individuals. The body's incomplete when someone is not involved. When each part is working properly, it says everyone has a part. Everyone should have a role. Everyone should have a responsibility. We should all feel the weight of that. That's what creates a healthy church that honors God. But there's one last gift I left out. And I saved it to the end. And this gift, I would call it, is the gift of you. We all have the same calling to build up the body of Christ. We must be humble and gentle and patient and long-suffering and maintain, eager to maintain the unity. We all serve the same Lord, trust in the same Jesus, and dwelled by the same Spirit, gifted by that Spirit. But look back at verse 7. This last gift, the gift of you. Notice how it begins. It says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. He uses this word grace and it actually has two meanings here. You know it mostly by the idea of something we don't deserve or something we could never earn. And that is true here. But there's also a second meaning. That grace is also a divine ability to do something. <clears throat> that you have a gift. He calls it a grace. That I have a gift. That we don't deserve. But we're to do something. I think we take this gift and we're always carrying this gift around. It's always with us. We're indwelled with the Spirit. And we have this gift, this, this divine enablement to do something that I don't even deserve to have. But then look at verse 12. This gift is to equip the saints for the ministry for building up of the body. That you and I are carrying around this grace, this gift, but it's not for us. 
It's a grace that God has given me. He's given you. That's not for you. It's for other people. And we say it this way in Discover Bethel. You've been given a portion of God's grace according to Christ's measure. He knew exactly what you needed that you are to use not for yourself but for others. Meaning this. If your portion of God's grace that he has given you is not being used, the church is incomplete. That we cannot reach the fullness of God unless we are all using this grace or this gift. So Christ, he came to set us free like God did the children of Israel. But God is up on that mountain. It says when that happened that the leaders were scattered and people brought gifts to the Lord. But here, Paul uses it a little bit differently. Instead of the captives bringing the gifts to God, he turns around and Christ sets us free and he turns around and gives us as gift. So you and I were set free as a captive and you were given as a gift. And when you take all these gifts and they're all shapes and sizes and some of the gifts have this and some of the gifts are that and every one of these gifts are then given to the church. But if there's a gift missing, that church is incomplete and that church is never going to grow up to the fullness that it is designed to be. That you were given as a gift to the church. But then the question is, then what kind of gift are you being? Are we being gifts that are humble and gentle and patient, long-suffering? We can be gifts that are selfless, in this for others, willing to be used. Or we can be gifts that are not about maintaining unity about caring about everybody growing up into the fullness that Christ has for them. We can be gifts that care more about being right than we care about being loving. We can be gifts that want to put our own agendas above others. We can be gifts that refuse to forgive rather than allowing for the weaknesses of others. But here's where I think we often lose sight. That Christ has set us free, buried with him, raised and seated with him. And then he turns around and takes these undeserving captives and he gives them as gifts to the church. That is how that body is to grow up into the fullness of Christ. That we are to be a picture of unity with diversity. But you know what? It doesn't stop there. We are given as gifts to the church. And then this church, I believe, is given as a gift to the world. And I wonder what type of present, what type of gift are we being to the world? I mean, to the world, do they look at the churches and see a unity with diversity? Or do they see people just as divided and in turmoil and with a lack of peace as they do everywhere else? So this is what I urge us with this morning. Like Paul, I urge us to walk, to live lives worthy of the calling with which we have been called. That we would be humble 
and gentle and patient, bearing with one another, eager to maintain that unity that the Spirit creates. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at Bethelbible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.